coming up on Philosophy Talk. There are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. It's good to know what you know and what you don't know. But bad to think you know when you don't. Why are you so cocksure of yourself? There are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. I know what I know. Don't be so dogmatic. I insist, do not be so dogmatic. Why is it arrogant to stand up for what you believe? Knowing what you don't know is the first step to wisdom. You think you know everything because you got bit by a roach that crawled out of a dictionary. Our guest is Baron Reed from Northwestern University. Knowing what we know and don't know. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. On Monday, October 14th, come join us for a live recording of Philosophy Talk on the campus of San Francisco State University. We'll be thinking about sanctuary cities with philosopher Shelley Wilcox. The event is free and open to the public. More information at philosophytalk.org. That's Monday, October 14th, 4 o'clock at Jack Adams Hall on the SF State campus. Which is worse, thinking you know more than you do, or thinking that you know less than you do? How can we avoid both the arrogance of dogmatism and the paralysis of doubt? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Uh, except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm John Perry. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where John and I both teach philosophy. Today, the first episode in a new six-part series on the topic of intellectual humility. Now, people who are sure that they know everything, they often come across as intellectually arrogant. Who wants to be that person? Yeah, but you think it's better to be so lacking in conviction that you never stand your ground? Well, I say it's okay to be confident, but just not so confident that you become dogmatic. And I say it's okay to be humble, but not so humble that you become a defeatist wimp. So the secret to avoiding both dogmatism and defeatism is knowing what you know and what you don't know, our topic for today. Well, unfortunately, Ken, that's easier said than done. The problem is that people tend to do everything they can to hold on to their beliefs. They shut themselves off from opposing points of view, dismiss sources of evidence that challenge or undermine their beliefs. If they're on Fox, they stay on Fox. If they're watching Rachel, they stay with Rachel. Surround themselves with like-minded people. That's a terrible recipe. It's a recipe for closed-off groupthink, John. Well, that's why you should seek out dissenting voices. We all need to have even our most firmly held beliefs challenged from time to time. But you know, John, can't you take, get too much of that? I mean, for almost everything you believe, no matter how well-grounded your belief is, you can always find somebody who not only disagrees, but who will do everything they can to sow doubt. I mean, think about climate change deniers, the Tobacco Institute, the creationists, all those people. Well, you have to learn to recognize shysters, the paid merchants of doubt, and people that are dumb and ignorant and have hidden agendas. You don't have to listen to those people. Yeah, but wait a minute, wait a minute, John. You were just warning about the dangers of shutting off opposing points of view, weren't you? 
Well, yeah, but that means opposing points of view with some scintilla of reason behind it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't separate genuine grounds for skepticism from spurious grounds for skepticism. Now, now I feel like turning the tables on you, John. I'm going to say, easier said than done, John. Touché, I guess. But what's your real point? Well, look, I don't believe in... I believe in climate change. I really do. But am I absolutely certain of it? Of course not. Well, I'm not certain of climate change on the basis of knowing climate science and having studied the data. But I'm much sure that the people who are denying it fall into the fraud and shyster and uneducated and denying camp. So I'm better at judging them than I am judging the climate, and so I'm pretty solidly believing in climate change. Why isn't that good enough if you just have well-grounded beliefs? Because, John, it's precisely in the gap, you know, that little gap between well-grounded belief on the one hand and absolute certainty that doubt lives, that the doubters get their hold. Oh, Ken, that, that is so profound, that's so deeply profound. I, I'm just lost in the wisdom of what you said. Oh, wait a minute. It's completely trivial. <laughs> oh, no, no, John. What I'm trying to say is that once you admit that you're not certain, haven't you just opened the door to the doubters? I mean, whether it comes from the people you want to dismiss or from sources you're more, more to your liking, you're not allowed to shut the door to the doubters until they've had their final say. Yeah, you wait for the commercial. That's nonsense. <laughs> the doubters never stop doubting and seldom stop talking. That's what they do. Often, that's what they're paid to do. They tangle you up in terminable arguments. They do the Kellyanne. They pivot. They twist. They ignore your question. In the end, at some point, you have to cut them off and get on with it. Well, wait a minute. But, but how? I, I, okay, that sounds plausible. But I don't really see how that's consistent with your edict to not close yourself off to opposing points of view. How's that well, supposed to work? You've got to develop a skill. You've got to strike a balance. Too little skepticism, and you become rigid and dogmatic. Too much skepticism, you become wishy-washy defeatists who won't take a stand. Wait a minute. Okay, so... Tell me the formula for striking the balance, oh, wise one. Tell well, me the formula. I'm not sure there's a formula. It's a skill you need to develop. I think philosophers were supposed to help people develop the skill. And sometimes you might be looking for black and white, and then you have to realize the truth is also painted in shades of gray. Uh, you know what? I think, I think you're just pretending. I think you just don't know the formula. That's what I think. Well, here's what I do know. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to explore a few cases where truth and knowledge really are painted in shades of gray. She files this report. When it comes to knowledge of past events, it turns out the way I remember something can be very different than the way you remember it. And the way you remember things can change with time, or it can be manipulated. Research shows that we have the ability to implant false memories into other people. UC Irvine's Elizabeth Loftus did a study showing just that. Here's a clip of her talking on Fora.tv. Let's see if we can get people to develop a completely false childhood event that they were lost in a shopping mall, that they were frightened and crying and lost for an extended time, that they were very upset, but that they were eventually rescued by an elderly person and reunited with their family. 24 adults were recruited for the study. Psychologists asked the participants' parents for three real childhood memories and then made up a fake memory about getting lost in a shopping mall. After three suggestive interviews with our adult subjects, we found that a quarter of them fell sway to the suggestion 
and developed all or part of this made-up experience that developed a memory, at least partially or completely, of being lost in this particular way. The power of persuasion can actually change our memories. Then there's the power of faith. Is there a God? Do we have souls? Can science give us this knowledge? Physics can probe this for as long as they want. They'll, they'll never, no one will ever be able to empirically prove or disprove the existence of God. Zach Krajasek is with Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network in Buffalo, New York. He says when science fails to give answers, you turn to faith. And through faith, you have knowledge. Physics can tell us a lot about the physical world, but but I think when you get into questions of metaphysics and you know where things originated, how things came into being, existence itself, you have to get into a, a plane that's above that, into a supernatural plane. But science does give some absolute answers sometimes. And when it gives answers, that's knowledge, right? Take climate change. 97% of climate scientists believe climate change is real. I think that there'll be little change here. It'll go up, it'll get a little cooler, it'll get a little warmer like it always has for millions of years. It'll get cooler, it'll get warmer. It's called weather. That was then-presidential candidate Donald Trump on Fox News in 2016. It turns out for many, climate change skepticism isn't about science. It's about political affinity. I don't believe that what they say, I think it's a big scam for a lot of people to make a lot of money. A 2016 study from the Center for American Progress Action Fund showed one-third of the U.S. Congress are climate deniers. Facts are facts, unless they're alternative facts. Plato once wrote, Opinion is the medium between knowledge and ignorance. Maybe the same goes for political opinion. Food for thought. For a philosophy talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.